Good morning, everybody, Your Royal Highness, Your Excellencies. Um, as many people have said this morning, it's an honor to be here, um, and it's always an honor to be working in Jordan for 18 years, as, as has already been mentioned. We've been doing aerial archaeology, and we're very grateful to all the authorities um, from the Chief of Staff for the Royal Jordanian Air Force. We couldn't do it without their aircraft. Um, life has moved on a bit for me now in that I'm now the director of this project, Endangered Archaeology in the Middle East and North Africa. And uh, I gave a similar presentation to this not long ago in the Ashmolean Museum. And by the end of the morning where we talked about Syria and Iraq and then this project, people were in tears because they were so disappointed by what they saw in terms of destruction. So I'm going to try and make it positive because everybody's one person's challenge may be another person's opportunity. Yesterday we were fortunate to be led by um, Bernhard Luck around Um el Jamal and other areas and he, we were standing by a looted tomb and he said the great thing about the looted tomb is we can now see the soil profile and I can get my soil samples. Um, so it's not, it's not all as bad as it might be. Um, the project's funded by Arcadia and you can see their logo there. If this works, no, I'll try it this way. Yeah, just in the middle there, Arcadia. Um, the project's located in Oxford University where the main team is and we have one member of staff in the University of Leicester who works on uh, North Africa mainly. It's a very ambitious project. It's very, very high level in the sense that we're using satellite imagery to cover everything from Mauritania to Iran. And unfortunately, we haven't really put Mauritania on there yet, um, but it's a large country about which very few, few, few people need to know anything. So if there's anybody in the audience who knows about Mauritania, do let us know. Uh, the, the project at the moment is only funded for two years, but we're hoping to get further funding uh, very shortly from Arcadia and other sources, so we, we won't be able to cover it all. Already the team have recorded over 80,000 sites. Um, and the reason for wanting to give this presentation today is that um, if it hadn't been for Jordan, we wouldn't have started. But the three objectives of our project are, as you can see there, the systematic analysis of both satellite imagery but also historic air photographs because we're monitoring change. We're seeing how the landscape has changed. Without then recording that, and this is where, the, as already has been mentioned, the database, Mega Jordan, um, without that, we wouldn't have had a basis from which to work. So as you'll see in a minute, our database is modelled on the same software using the, the Archer software that Mega Jordan is based on. You have to have individual records. Um, and fundamental to what we're saying is that the purpose here is not to say that as archaeologists you need to preserve everything, because you can't preserve everything. But what you can do is record it before it's destroyed. And that's been the, the touchstone of the, what I've been doing in Britain and Europe for the last, goodness me, 40 years. Um, but equally, you've also got to have the third element here, which is to monitor the condition of sites, is using the information from satellites and air photographs. But in the end, you've also got to visit on the ground and, where possible, excavate. The chances are that we will excavate 0.1% of all the archaeology, even in Jordan, but across the Middle East. Um, the excavation is, is, in a sense, the icing on the cake. The survey is really what's important, if we are to do, as we're saying here in this, in this conference, protect the past. Now, the protecting the past and the, um, the, the 
in a sense, the, the timeliness of this project has been thrown into huge focus by the work of, uh, I say the work, but the destruction of temples in Palmyra, the destruction of other archaeological sites across the Middle East and North Africa as a result of conflict. But in fact, there's many more agencies at work, and I just wanted to show, just to remind those of you who haven't been to Green England recently, um, a, a, a picture of um, a village in, in fact, I'm not sure whether it's in Wiltshire or in Oxfordshire, it's right on the, bo on the border, um, but the village of, of Maisie Hampton, and here you can see what we call crop marks, and we love crop marks because we're discovering archaeological sites, but they're already destroyed by the time that you see them as crop marks. So um, although you're going to see such slides of destruction throughout the Middle East and North Africa, um, you don't have a monopoly on it. It's been happening in Britain and Europe for 100 years, mainly as a, uh, as a result of agriculture. So what I want to do very briefly is run through some of the work we've done in Jordan and then cover the other countries as quickly as I can, uh, depending on time. As I've already mentioned, this project that we're doing now, the Amina project, wouldn't have happened if it hadn't been for the work of David Kennedy. Um, and I'm not going to show you his little video, but do have a look at our website. And I can't believe there's anybody in the audience who doesn't have a copy of Ancient Jordan from the Air, but there might be one or two people. So this is a short commercial break. Um, if you don't have a copy of Ancient Jordan from the Air, see me or Andrea or Rebecca and Rebecca has a hand up there. She's wandering around. She has a staff written on it. Special discount price of 20 JDs. Um, we'll take orders from any time, from lunch, lunchtime onwards till 6 o'clock on Wednesday. Um, there are, this was published in 2004, and not surprisingly, there are very few copies left. Um, even fewer copies in the British Institute. But the, re the other reason for holding it up is that when we first approached uh, all the authorities in Jordan and said, could we do air photography in Jordan, um, they, they understood immediately this could be a real benefit for tourism because it would show that there's a, a wealth of archaeology in Jordan that other people wouldn't be able to see. So we were able to do this with the help of the uh, Royal, Jordan, Royal Jordanian Air Force who for the first two years gave us access to their aircraft for free both the Hueys and the Super Pumas, so we did well over 50 hours flying at no cost to us. Now we have to pay, which is fine, they give us a proper discount, um, and we managed to get money from other places to, 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 to fly. And our 2015 season, we hope, will begin on, on October the 1st. I've got a meeting with the Air Force tomorrow, so I hope it's all going to be fine. Um, David Kennedy sends his apologies, he can't be here today, but he is arriving on Tuesday, so uh, he will be in the country for a couple of weeks. Um, one of the things I wanted to just highlight, as we've said there, the Aerial Archaeology in Jordan project, 1997, um, still going on. It's the only active aerial reconnaissance program east of Austria. So there is no other country where you can do aerial archaeology um, east of Austria. Um, a few people have been flying in Romania, but that has now stopped. Um, and the reason for showing this particular slide is that um, Every year we fly, we monitor sites, we look for um, new sites, and this was a site that we think we discovered last year in the sense that we don't know anyone else who knows about it, um, but it looks to me to be a quarry of Roman columns seven miles west of Marca, and presumably it was a quarry for Philadelphia, for ancient Amman. And I often think about the workmen uh, who were standing there at the moment at which they discovered they weren't going to be paid for their work. 
in whatever year it was, whether it was the 380s, the 420s, the 550s, and they just said, well, sod it, we're going home. Um, and then there you can find bits of their work. You can see that some of the columns are just still rectangles, others have been well shaped. But I better move on. Um, here's another site that we photographed near Azraq, and you'll see more images of Azraq in a minute. And the reason we were doing this survey around Azraq was that there was a proposed bypass, so we wanted to photograph as much of the archaeology as we could before the bypass started its work. Um, many of you will know, and one of the surprises to me coming when I first came out to Jordan was that I imagined a country that was two-thirds the side of England but only had three million people. Um, ah, thank you very much. There is a pointer on here, but for some reason it doesn't work. Yeah, there we are. Um, uh, one of the things that surprised me was that in a country of that size and relatively small population, that it didn't matter how far you flew from whichever airfield we just refueled at, somebody had a bulldozer and had bulldozed something in the landscape. Um, and I still don't understand why, but they are there. Um, the archaeology you can see is here, uh, one of these amazing uh, kite sites. And there's the, the as it were, the, the, the kite, and these are the strings of the so-called kite, which we believe, um, but can't confirm, that they are some form of hunting site. But they date from the 7th, 6th, and 5th millennium BC, so they are very, very old indeed. Um, and I'm very grateful to Rebecca for pointing this one out to me. Um, and this is really just to highlight not only a wonderful site, uh, Condor Circle, but if you want to read the words, basically the owner wanted to... to to bulldoze the site and build a house because there was a lovely view there. Um, and often that's the case with archaeological sites. They're in really good places that people might want to live today. Fortunately, the site has not been bulldozed and hopefully never will be because it's protected. Um, other, other places that we keep an eye on, uh, like Masu here, um, but you can see looting in the uh, necropolis. Um, this is just a satellite image, but we've also been looking at it uh, uh, using aerial archaeology. Here's a few images of uh, Azraq. There's the airbase. Here's the bypasses that you can see on the air photographs. Um, and, sorry, on the satellite imagery. And then as you zoom in a bit, you can see that there's archaeology all around. And the purpose of showing this is that you can record these things beforehand. There has been a survey done by the Department of Antiquities, so it is being recorded. Um, another image here. Um, I can't see that too clearly from here, but you can see the archaeology in there. Um, and what we're saying is that it's about recording that landscape change. People need houses, people need roads, people need farms, and we all need food to eat. So it's not, we're not going to be able to stop those processes, but we are able to record things. Um, the importance of the ancient imagery, here's a Stein photograph of Azraq. There you can see the Roman camp, uh, and this photograph taken in the 1930s. Ah, thank you very much. That one works. I've now got three of these things. Um, uh, but then if you look to what it's like today, that's Azraq in the modern world. Uh, Jarash, similarly, this is a photograph, again, from the Stein collection, but there are others as well from the Royal Jordanian, uh, sorry, from the Royal Air Force. Um, here you can see uh, the Circassian settlement there and there the, the uh, outer walls of Jarash. That's the 1930s, um, and that's as it is today. Dramatic change. Um, expansion of, of here and then expansion outside the walls as well. But one of the things of, in setting up uh, IMENA and the Endangered Archaeology Project 
is that the information we create is not for us in Oxford or us in Leicester. It's for all the people in the countries that we're working in. So all the data will go into a database that is the same as MegaJ. So we will be able to transfer the data at some point in the future straight into the Jordanian database. And what we wanted to do is to say to the, where we're working, are there infrastructure projects where we can look at the satellite imagery in advance of any infrastructure projects? So uh, we talked with Dr. Munther and his colleagues and Jihad, and there is a plan uh, already happening uh, to build a, a ring road around Madaba. So uh, Andrea and Rebecca worked on this project, uh, discovered, I forget the total number of sites, but something around about 121 or 124, um, and we're able to record those in advance of the work happening. We'll be flying around it and having a look at it and also visiting it on the ground while we're here in the next few weeks. Um, Madaba, no question of its importance as a town, as a city in, in the ancient world. Um, there's the road network that you can see. So there's, there's, there's no question of the insignificance of it and we want to be able to record as much as possible. And there's just an example of uh, the photographs taken in the 50s of this particular area and what it looks like now. And the green line is where the, the road will go. So by giving this information to the Department of Antiquities, they can then help um, in advance of the road building decide what to do next. I won't talk much about Um El Jamal because we were there yesterday and we're going to hear a lot more from uh, Bert and Jeff later. Um, but one reason for putting this on is that it's very easy to focus on particular sites, but actually all the sites exist in a landscape and it isn't just the site itself, it's the other things around it as well that are really, really important. So we mustn't forget that and, and not just focus on individual sites. If there's a problem that we have in Britain is that the legislation goes back to 1882 and it's very, very site-specific. So we record and we preserve individual sites, but it's much, much harder to preserve landscapes. You've now got the opportunity to be able to say, actually, there are vast tracts of the basalt desert that you might be able to preserve because the research has been done and they could be preserved as an archaeological park. And that would be a, a really fantastic thing. I won't go into that one. Um, I just wanted to mention the database. It's already been mentioned. This is just a, a, a brief distribution map and a screen grab from Mega Jordan, um, funded, as has been said, by the Getty Conservation Institute and the World Monument Fund. They were very keen, uh, the Arches people were very, very keen that we use the same database because a lot of work has gone into the, the design of it and the open access that people will be able to register and get access to the information very quickly. So we've used that same software. Um, and our database is just at the point at which it's, being, it's been built and information is now being uploaded to it. And when, when it's available, we will have a launch. Um, and these days, the launch will probably be via Twitter, Snapchat, whatever else, Facebook um, and social media, as well as possibly having um, an event in, in Oxford and Leicester. Uh, now, for the next few minutes, I just want to rapidly go through some of the images from some of the other countries. Um, Saudi Arabia, as you know, a huge country with fantastic archaeology. And th these images really are just to show that it isn't about the bigger sites. It can be the smaller sites like this. And um, we started, the project started on January the 12th. We had no office, no staff, no computers at 9 o'clock on that morning. By 4 o'clock that afternoon, one member of staff was sitting at his desk 
In fact, he might have been standing because I don't think we had chairs. Um, but he had his computer and he said, I found some endangered archaeology. I don't think it was this site, but it was near this site. And he was able to show that through this agricultural expansion, um, it's the proximity of that that might cause some threat to that site. It's not directly threatened, but we need to record it. Um, I want to just put this one on because the quality of the preservation of these sites, um, and we have absolutely no idea what these sites are. That's speaking personally. If somebody in the audience knows uh, what they are, please tell me. But they look like um, uh, keyhole tombs, uh, whatever they might be, but they are beautifully preserved. And the other point about the project is to show that where we've got really good preservation, that we can also then say, they, the, these are maybe the areas where you, we could have protection, even as something as simple as a fence at the beginning. Because it, a fence might, might just deter a bulldozer driver from driving through the fence. It might not, but at least it would be a start. Um, Syria, I won't dwell on Syria because it really is um, uh, an amazing story. This is Apamea. Um, this is what it looked like in 2011. The date is down there, virtually untouched. So there's those columns you were just looking at. And then, because of the breakdown in law, of law and order, um, here we are in 2012. The looting has started, and there you can see the pits. It used to be the case that most archaeological sites, the biggest threat to them was from archaeologists. Uh, that has now changed. This is on an industrial scale. And we are hoping to add an element to our project to try and understand better the looting and trafficking of illegal artifacts, or the illegal looting and trafficking of artifacts from right across the country. Um, and I, here's just some of those um, tower tombs that you've seen that we know that ISIS um, have uh, blown up. And there's just an overview of Palmyra. Again, to show that these are extensive sites. And a lot of the times we hear, in the British press at least, that a, a site has been totally destroyed. It's actually very, very difficult to completely destroy an archaeological site. Don't say that too loudly outside this room, um, because then it becomes a challenge and somebody will do it. But it is actually quite difficult to destroy an archaeological site. That doesn't make the damage that has happened any less. Um, and this is what, a site that I'm particularly interested in, because here's the Google I uh, imagery um, from, I can't read the date over there, but some time ago. Um, and now when you look on Google Earth, it's grayed out. And one of the reasons we think it's grayed out is because when you look through here, Every, every unit within Dura Europus, somebody has been in with uh, serious equipment to dig it out. So the damage on that site from looting has been extensive. And that's probably, uh, to my mind, one of the most damaged sites that we've come across so far. In Egypt, uh, this is an ancient uh, gold mining area. And here are some of the remnants of that Roman and later gold mining. But once people realized that they could go in there and perhaps extract some of the precious metals. This is what they did over a period of a year. The landscape has changed dramatically. So if you just go back from that to that, to that, to that, huge change uh, in, in a very small period of time. Um, a Roman fort here, a place called Didymoi, a little bit of bulldozing going on, and then not very much later, much more bull bulldozing going on. And we did hear a report that the whole site had been destroyed, but luckily, um, we heard another report that actually said, no, it hasn't. This, this trench is the only one that's gone through that Roman fort. So uh, a huge pressure on the landscape. Yemen, we decided to do some work in Yemen, <coughs> partly because one of the reasons we, we 
um, or one of the strategies we had was not to work in just one country, but to spread it out as much as possible. Um, wonderful preservation of sites in Yemen, and if you haven't read Jane Taylor's book on Yemen, you should, because it's excellent. Thank you, Jane. Um, and, but archaeological sites like this, which you can see on Google Earth, but looting in the middle. Um, but also, it isn't just about human interaction. There are times where possibly climate change and uh, waterborne uh, damage happens. So it is looking at changing climate as well, not just looking at the human intervention. And the team put this together, uh, which we tweeted of a site uh, from 2000 where the Yemenis were Im improving it for uh, visitor attractions, making it a tourist attraction. And then that was in, in uh, 2014. And then just this year, a bomb hit it, um, or artillery shell hit it. And if you look at the two, the difference between those two, that's pretty dramatic. And then the Leicester team working in Libya, um, just a couple of examples here. I'll be very quick because I'm conscious of time. Um, but this ancient city here, and that's what it looks like now. And uh, the reason I wanted to just put this one on is to show that what happens in a place like this, it is construction, disturbed ground for whatever reason, building, dumping. There's a whole range of reasons why sites are being destroyed. Uh, again, bulldozing tracks that we've seen. And in Iraq, uh, looting on virtually every tell in, Me in southern Mesopotamia. Um, we haven't done a comprehensive study yet, but we will. But the, the looting has been on a massive scale over the last 20 years. Um, comes and goes depending on uh, either who's in charge or who's not in charge or whether there's a war going on. Um, so it's, it's really quite depressing. And we need to know more about who the looters are, but also then the middlemen. And there was a conference recently in Glasgow um, where one site in Cambodia, uh, every, every statue of Buddha had been removed um, and then was available for sale in either New York, London or Paris. Um, and I just wanted to put this slide on of Hatra. It's one of the uh, uh, Stein photographs from the 1930s where he created a mosaic of Hatra. And uh, we have now the recent imagery as well but although we know that ISIS did some damage inside the buildings in terms of the statues, when you read that Hatra has been completely destroyed, it's not true. Um, it's been virtually untouched when you look at this in terms of uh, a detailed analysis. But that's not a message we want to get out because if ISIS thinks they haven't done enough damage, they'll go back and do it. Um, and so that's it. Any questions? Uh, but I would like, just as has as already been said, to thank those not only who've done the organization but who had the imagination to come up with the Protecting the Past series, um, and hopefully we will be back again in Jordan at some point in the future. Thank you very much.